Hello everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the podcast Healthy Dose. I'm Yogini Oak, a research fellow at the Vidhi Center for Legal Policy and your host for this episode. Healthy Dose is a podcast on health law and policy. In the last episode, my co-host Shreya spoke to Dr. Nilimak Shilsagar and Dr. Dhwani Mehta about how scientists and regulators attempted to produce a safe and effective vaccine in a race against time. In this episode, we want to explore the ethical principles that scientists and regulators are bound by. What are the ethical implications of their choices? For this, we interviewed Dr. Anand Bhan. A trained medical doctor, Dr. Anand Bhan is adjunct professor at Yenepoya University and is known to us as an eminent bioethicist. Another really cool thing about Dr. Bhan is that he has been a voice of reason and science and has informed us about various scientific and regulatory advances through his incisive social media profile. Let us listen to him. Yeah, so, uh, you know, partly the reason I switched was uh, basically uh, circumstances or opportunities. Uh, But I was certainly interested in ethics and bioethics specifically uh, for a fair bit of time. And that partly drew from my own experiences during my medical training that there were equity issues, there were ethics issues, which we were not explicitly discussing, but they were certainly omnipresent. And these could be anything from a lack of access, affordability issues, issues how medicine is practiced, corruption in healthcare, etc. You are absolutely right. It was certainly relatively nascent at that point of time. It is still a niche area, but uh, so there is a lot more interest in bioethics now, and it's growing as a discipline both globally and in India. That was Dr. Bhan telling us about the reasons why he decided to specialize in the field of bioethics. The COVID-19 pandemic has made our vocabularies richer, and we certainly know a lot more about words such as quarantine, bioethics, epidemiology than we did an year ago. Dr. Bhan mentioned that his day-to-day experiences while training to become a doctor impacted his decision to study bioethics. This made me wonder, what is the importance of bioethics or bioethical principles in my life, a layperson's life, especially in a pandemic? I asked Dr. Ban. Ethics broadly deals with moral principles with regards to societal values. So the kind of challenges that we have about right and wrong and what defines right, what defines wrong, or what kind of steps you should be taking in a circumstance where there might be a moral conflict. When you apply that broadly to the healthcare scenario or um, to you know, clinical setting or to a health research setting, that is where bioethics becomes relevant. So in a sense, you are sort of translating broader ethics principles into a a health framework or a health uh, context. Um, For a layperson, it becomes important because it sort of focuses on identifying some issues which might not be uh, specific to, say, medical science, but can predicate or influence the care that they receive, uh, their participation in that care or their participation in research the way um, that uh, uh, medical practice or research happens, as well as uh, you know their own rights as either patients or uh, research participants. So given that uh, it influences almost all, all aspects of their intersection with uh, the health environment, either as a patient or a research participant, 
um, or someone who might be a health consumer of some kind uh, with respect to an intervention, then obviously this is something which they should be at least aware of and know uh, in what context of bioethics operates as a discipline and how it might be relevant to them. Dr. Bhan very succinctly explained how principles of bioethics apply to a layperson's life. At Vidhi, we spent most of the pandemic year in understanding the role of law in efficiently combating public health emergencies. According to Gostin, an eminent public health lawyer and researcher, the role of law in public health emergencies is to empower the governments to undertake extraordinary actions, including suspension of individual rights, and shoulder them with duties to maintain public health while also restraining their powers reasonably. We have all seen certain implications of this theory in practice through imposition of lockdowns and in accessing healthcare during the current pandemic. To navigate this, everyone, including individuals, scientists, regulators, have had to make these difficult choices. And the lines between the right choice and the wrong choice have been more blurred than ever. Yeah, so there are, um, you know, certainly pandemic can be uh, difficult times and we have seen how um, the last year has been actually uh, fairly difficult uh, for everyone, uh, not just scientists, uh, for everyone um, around us. Uh, it's influenced our lives, it's impacted the way we live and uh, that has also meant that there have been often different uh, difficult moral choices to be made. You know, one way of looking at it is looking at some ethics principles. For example, you know, some of the broadly used or most commonly used ethics principles revolve around the need for autonomy, right? So the right to self-determine, to have individual decisions and choices. And obviously that gets impacted in circumstances where you might have to, for example, quarantine people or isolate people or you have mechanisms like lockdown where, uh, you know, you have a legal mandate for people to stay at home. Then obviously it's going to impact the autonomy or right to self-determination of individuals to go out or do what they want to uh, within a broader legal framework. But here you're obviously restricting their liberty. Right? The other aspect is uh, beneficence, which uh, focuses on doing good. Uh, now, a lot of the interventions, both from the health system side, as well as, um, say, with regards to a prophylactic um, medication or treatment, etc., were done um, broadly with the intent of uh, the good for the patient, but uh, you know, challenges that we don't really know what worked and what did not work for a long time, and the evidence behind a lot of the interventions was also suspect. The third element often is uh, non-maleficence, which is to say that you try to minimize harm or do no harm, and that also is difficult because sometimes you have to make difficult choices around allocation, um, around uh, you know, going in with the interventions where there might be some risk attached to it because. Uh, you're trying to contextualize that or balance that against a larger risk of, say, infection. So you might choose an intervention where there is a certain amount of risk uh, in the hope that you are preventing a larger risk of some kind. Or uh, you might not be entirely able to minimize the risk um, by virtue of um, an intervention. Again, you know, the lockdown is a good example. Uh, the lockdown uh, is aimed at minimizing risk of, um, uh, risk of spread of infection. But we know that there are a lot of accessory um, issues which can pop up, right? And we saw that happen also in India with the large migrant movements because of loss of livelihood. And so uh, it can be a challenge also to address that kind of an um, ethical principle. 
the fourth most common one within that framework is justice justice the idea of justice is central to the understanding of ethics as well as to legal and political philosophy for some the idea of fairness is central to the notion of justice in other conceptions justice is ensured when a society is able to ensure the greatest good of the greatest number of people or when everyone is able to maximize their freedom in its legal conception however justice prevails when laws are correctly applied and these laws themselves are consistent with some fundamental principles such as being proportionate and non-arbitrary how is the idea and the principle of justice imagined in bioethics what does it look like in a pandemic we asked dr anand khan so obviously you know it, it talks about issues around vulnerability so the, the fact of many populations but especially vulnerable to infection by virtue of being old by virtue of having comorbidity or you know as we were discussing in the lockdown there were those who had economic um, vulnerabilities were especially again impact, impacted negatively issues around equity uh, you know does everyone have access to the same level of information testing uh, ability to uh, you know in, ensure uh, physical distancing use masks etc and also issues around uh, broader distributive justice so this whole thing of vaccines and priorities and who gets prioritized within a list and how do you ensure that that is done in a way that uh, it is fair and equitable all of those can be challenges so as you can already see that you know uh, again ethics principles broadly operate even during a pandemic it's um, but in the applying them also uh, you know puts you through situations where you have to think through what might be right or wrong or how could you potentially be doing things differently what is right and what is wrong is potentially the underlying music which guides our choices if that is the case then principles of bioethics are the conductors of this orchestra difficult ethical choices are always present but the need to orchestrate these choices becomes much more frequent in a public health emergency in india and in other parts of the world one of the ways in which this occurred was in the process of approving vaccines against covid-19 for those who have not listened to the first episode the approvals of the vaccines covaxin and covishield were under the scanner because of the conditions attached to the approvals covishield was approved for restricted emergency use while covaxin was approved for restricted emergency use in clinical trial mode we've already discussed how these terms are not explicitly mentioned in the regulatory framework in this episode we asked dr bhan what the ethical implications of this might be sure so um, you know as the listeners of this podcast probably have already heard in a previous episode uh, there are uh, clinical trials which are conducted to find out if a particular new intervention in this case a vaccine is safe uh, efficacious if it is useful at uh, at being used in uh, in responding to a pandemic etc now uh, you know at the heart of uh, ethics is also this requirement that good science is good ethics so if you have a situation where decisions even in an emergency situation are taken on the basis of saying complete data sets where you don't have entire data on 
safety, you might not have entire data on efficacy, and yet you allow for that intervention to be used, then it does also obviously raise ethics concerns because the challenge then becomes is to try and understand on what basis was that decision made. You know, was there an, uh, any additional data which was uh, provided to the committee making that decision? What were the kind of pros and cons that they looked at? Why, uh, presumably in the larger public interest, did they decide to allow for an intervention to be used, um, even though, uh, you know, adequate data, which is routinely required of, a say, a phase three clinical trial, was not yet available? And what might that mean for future scenarios where you might have similar expectations by companies who are applying for uh, approval, um, even in uh, an emergency situation? So all of those are, uh, you know, again, going to raise um, ethical issues because uh, some of these decisions have also been relatively opaque uh, in terms of not enough being available to contextualize and try to understand the rationale for these decisions, who's involved in making those decisions, what is the kind of information they looked at, and why was that not put out in the public domain in more detail. Um, and that lack of transparency, I think, can also um, downstream impact uh, you know, uh, the kind of trust which exists within vaccination as a public health effort and specific vaccines. And you don't want to probably impact trust in vaccines because that would lead to situations where people do not come forward to get vaccinated, uh, even when given the opportunity. And we know that right now vaccines are a precious resource. They are in short supply. They are also fairly expensive. And if people don't turn up when they're um, allocated to a vaccination center, then you might potentially be wasting vaccines, which is, um, given their scarcity, something to worry about. So I think all of those are reasons why uh, it's important to also look at the ethics of some of these decisions and on what basis they were made and uh, try to see where things could have been done um, in a better way. As Dr. Ban mentioned, equity is central to the practice of bioethics. It is a core principle. In India, the private market for vaccines has partially opened. Opening up the private market for vaccinations is, of course, an ethically polarizing decision. On one hand, it will help the government in inoculating people faster. And on the other, those with deeper pockets may be able to access vaccines first. We asked Dr. Ban what he thinks about opening up the vaccine market for private consumption through the lens of bioethics. Sure, yeah. So my opinion is that, you know, the reasons we, we are using vaccines right now specifically for COVID-19 is for a public health response. And the main um, rationale for the vaccination program is to uh, respond to a pandemic and try to minimize spread of infection to enhance protective immunity, etc. Now, that is a, a strong societal need right now. And I think it can be in many ways characterized as the responsibility of the government as one of their core functions. If that is the case, then I think it is imperative for the government to try to maximize uh, the availability of vaccines uh, for that larger good of protective immunity and to protect the larger public against COVID-19. If that is the case, then you also want to ensure again that um, everyone who is eligible by, uh, by way of a priority list should have access to that vaccine. and. Um, you know, you should have some standardized way of ensuring that the priority list is followed. If you have uh, the vaccine available simultaneously in the private market, it would mean that if I am poor, then I have to wait my turn 
uh, while the, the priority list um, is uh, being addressed uh, in the government uh, procurement and distribution system. While if I'm in, um, if I have resources, I can just go and buy and get the vaccine in the private sector. And is that something we want to see as a society that uh, you can jump the queue if you have financial resources? And uh, otherwise, uh, you know, you are at the mercy of having to wait for your turn coming in the government system. So I think that's a fundamental societal equity question, which um, I think is important to raise. So should hence the government have uh, the entire control for COVID-19 vaccination and rollout um, so that they are able to adhere to a standard set of criteria about when someone gets a vaccine and on what criteria. And, um, you know, ability to pay, should that be a reason to trump that in any way or to jump the queue? You know, I think that's an open-ended question. My opinion would be no, uh, but I think it's also an important question for all of us to discuss as a society. Equity, apart from being central to the practice of bioethics, is also a cornerstone in a person's ability to access their right to health. The pandemic has made these divisions that already existed in our society more visible when it comes to access to healthcare. Considering this, we asked Dr. Bhan whether any other PHE comes to mind when thinking about equitable distribution of scarce resources like vaccines and whether there are any lessons that we might learn from history. So I think these are not uh, some of the challenges uh, during this pandemic are not unique in the sense that, you know, those kind of resource constraints operate in many different ways in other situations as well. For example, there is a shortage of resources, there is a shortage of ventilators, there's a shortage of ICU beds, there is a shortage of specialized medical doctors, nursing staff, paramedical staff who can take care of uh, individuals in highly specialized settings. And it's often the case that, you know, people who might uh, not have access to financial resources would struggle to get um, an ICU bed because the only ICU beds which are available in, say, the public system might already be occupied. And many people have to undergo that difficult choice of probably not being able to access care and families have to take the decision of um, of just letting go, right? Because uh, you might not have enough ventilators available as an example. So uh, those challenges are certainly, uh, you know, omnipresent in our health system. And I think uh, maybe the pandemic has just accentuated some of the issues uh, in terms of shortage of resources, both on the human resources side and infrastructure side. So that's an example of how some of these are probably not unique to the pandemic, but maybe the pandemic has helped unravel these and put it out in the public domain in a way that we've not seen before, which also means that it raises then the question that now that we recognize that uh, health and uh, equitable, accessible, affordable quality healthcare is certainly something that all of us should expect as citizens, then that what is required to get there? What can we do as a country? What as citizens of this country can we do to ensure that that happens? And what do we expect from our policymakers? Uh, should health not be a political, uh, you know, plank? Uh, should we not be choosing um, our uh, political representatives based on their vision of how they're going to improve health for all of us? Because uh, if this pandemic has impacted every aspect of our life. It tells us that um, you know health security is as important as any other kind of security, and I think we need as a nation to certainly focus more on that. Dr. Ban raised some really important points about the importance of health security and equity, and our role as active citizenry 
in pushing for this as a political priority. One would imagine that a pandemic like this might jolt people and policymakers out of their long entrenched indifference to public health. We asked Dr. Bhan if he thought that was the case. Yeah, well, I think there is certainly more awareness and perhaps, um, you know, at all levels, including the most, um, well, highest levels of government that health has become an, an area for them to talk about, to reflect on, uh, including in making decisions around uh, law and order situations, lockdowns, curfews, etc., as we all know. Um, whether that is going to be short term or whether this is going to be something which is long term in terms of impacting how policymakers perceive the importance of health, we'll have to wait and watch. One would hope that the lessons have been learned and um, this would mean that over time we are actually transitioning to seeing health being prioritized in policymaking um, in a comprehensive way and not in a piecemeal way. When I say comprehensive, I also mean that you know it's not just about the short term expenditure on, say, buying vaccines. But talking about longer term, how are we going to strengthen our health system to be more resilient, stronger, prepared for a future pandemic? And what are we, you know, what kind of investments are we seeing for that? In terms of ethics, again, I think there is some recognition probably across the board of the importance of ethical issues. But at the same time, there all there have also been challenges in terms of ethics being probably not being given en- enough focus in in the um, name of uh, the need for urgency um, or the fact that there is a pandemic and uh, hence making the case that uh, given that we are dealing with the pandemic and the priorities to respond to the pandemic, that we might be, for example, um, allowed to take some shortcuts in regulatory decisions and that, you know, we should not be raising objections about due process, etc. Um, and I think that is a bit troubling because um, even during a pandemic, the fundamental facets of science and ethics don't change. You might be able to expedite certain decisions. You might be able to, uh, you know, uh, take quicker decisions. Um, you know, get uh, going on um, on R and D, etc. And you know, we have had big pluses, for example, with vaccines being developed and trialed uh, in almost under a year. But at the same time, the fundamental uh, requirements of science um, and the quality and fidelity of data and the transparency around decision making. I think some of those are still non-negotiables and. You cannot, um, you know, move away from that. With that, Dr. Bhan re-emphasized that good science and good ethics go hand in hand. Dr. Bhan highlighted the big wins in terms of development of vaccines. At the same time, he reminded us about the importance of taking ethical lessons of equity and good decision-making from the pandemic into the future. Without this, we may again be starting from scratch in the next public health emergency were it to knock our doors. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for staying with us through the episode, Right or Wrong. While this episode focused on the equity in the Indian context, there are also larger questions of equity regarding the distribution of vaccines at a global level. Can vaccines themselves be vehicles of equity? find out, do tune in next Tuesday for our next episode, where I will be speaking to Dr. Arindam Nandi, fellow at the Center for Disease Dynamics, Economics and Policy about this. We are on SoundCloud and Spotify as Vidhi Center for Legal Policies podcast. 
यू मे ऑल्सो लिसन टू अस ऑन गूगल पॉडकास्ट और आई ट्यूब्स